I've been thinking about how people love the rise, the fall, and the re-rise. The whole phoenix rising from the ashes. And most, you know, I was thinking about that. And I was thinking about, like, in this political climate, we love to build people up and pull them down. Oh, we love to idolize and um, be extremely loyal to the point where loyalty becomes obsession and idolatry. You know, people love Trump and people hate Trump. People love Elizabeth Warren. I saw there was a Trump rally and, you know, he was talking a little reckless. And then when people got outside, uh, people were like in Antifa were like hitting these people and taking their hats. And it was, the whole scene was ugly. And, you know, we have to understand that God has created us with a certain vacuum, with a certain peace in our heart that can only be filled by him. And we try to replace it with certain obsessions, with certain idolatries, you know, with, with uh, looking up to certain political figures or even looking up to our bosses or what, you know, just obsessing over different people. And we have to be careful with that, you know, and, you know, it's, we have to keep it in context. You know, recently, this great author, this amazing author and psychologist taught at Harvard, they're making a documentary about his life. His name was Dr. I usually don't like to give away stuff, but it was Dr. Jordan Peterson. And he recently checked himself into rehab. He was uh, having um, really bad reaction and getting off of this anti-anxiety medicine. And he was taking these scripts because he was like pretty depressed about his wife having cancer and the pressure of writing his book and going on a book tour. Which is all fine, right? Like, listen, we all make mistakes, but he's such a strong writer and such a strong philosopher. He's always like, clean your room, stand up straight, be a man. And then, you know, when he hit hard times, he himself was taking scripts that, like, you know, I don't know if he prescribed himself or a doctor friend. And, you know, I'm not talking about the prescription thing. We all have, we all wrestle with addiction at different times of our life. But, you know, I know there was people who were heartbroken about that. I know there was people, you know, I could bet my bottom dollar. There was people who were like, Jordan Peterson's the greatest. He's the greatest mind. He's better than Dr. Phil. He'll slap Dr. Drew. He's better than Dr. Laura. He's better than Dr. Ruth. And, you know, and we have to understand that, you know, we could be a person like both and we we can like Nicki Minaj and Cardi B right and there's a, a malefic force a demonic force that wants to make everything about division everything about contention everything about competition and it's just to keep us in a state of disunity keep us fractured and keep us thinking that um that everybody's the bad guy right and you know, one of the tricks is the devil is to make you think he don't exist, to make you think that uh, the devil wears a red hat or the devil's a liberal or what have you. But I just want to, you know, tell you guys that even the Bible says, like, love God, trust God. It says love man as you love yourself, but don't really, it don't really necessarily say trust man, right? David even says, 
in um, Psalms 118, verse 8 and 9. It's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It's better to take refuge in the Lord than trust in princes. And we make these leaders in our lives, these bosses in our lives, these celebrities that we're exposed to into kings, queens, princesses, and princes in our lives. And we have to keep it in check, right? Remember the Christians when Jim Baker, all the Christians were sad, right? Oh, man, PTL. PTL was supposed to be like Jesus Disneyland, right? And then you had Jimmy Swagger. And, you know, we were heartbroken, but we never learned. It just continues with this idolatry and making your pastor and your master and, and you know, looking up to the Kardashians and the Kylie Jenners. And listen, guys, you're better than you think. And they're not as good as you think. Right? And it's better that you continue to focus on God. Use the, you, not use, I always say use, but allow these people to speak certain levels of expertise into your life. Right, there was a guy named Frederick Nietzsche, and he was like the politician. He was the philosopher that influenced the Nazis, and he he wrote like really strong stuff about the Ubermensch, and he said God is dead, and he was just a powerful writer, right, like a stirring writer. But understand, this dude never had a girlfriend. A lot of this came from like frustration and loneliness and like he had you know this you could you could read the stories like he had crushes on certain ladies and he had no girlfriends um some say he contracted syphilis through a prostitute other people say he died of cancer but nevertheless he died kind of alone relying on people's sympathies and um and people make their whole life philosophy based on this guy's writing. And he was, he was flawed. And even though he had, he was great with words, it don't mean we have to make his words um, a major part of the foundation of our moral framework or uh, the needle in our compass. I believe that we have to continue to... Uh, read the word of God, get closer to God, but also uh, learn to evaluate who we look up to, keep them in their proper perspective, right? Like, I love this writer named John Maxwell, right? But I'm not going to have a fist fight with somebody that John Maxwell's better than T.D. Jakes or uh, nothing like that. I'm going to say Maxwell speaks great on leadership. T.D. Jakes is an inspirational speaker. Beth Moore is amazing at breaking down the word of God. Uh, Joyce Myers knows how to, to turn her, to speak and help people turn their scars into stars. Everybody has the thing, right? Victory Outreach is an amazing vision-driven ministry that helps people. But Assemblies of God is good, too. Like, Southern Baptist is good, too. So, yeah, we got to be careful not to obsess over certain individuals and be so let down by them. I pray Jordan Peterson uh, recovers and gets back better than ever. But I also pray that the people who were, like, obsessing over his words will uh, live a more uh, balanced life and begin to see the greatness in God and the greatness in themselves. All right, break.
What's up, folks? Um, I want to show. I want to not show you. Can't show you. Duh. I'm gonna play a clip from a, a movie, one of my favorite movies, and we want to talk about uh, a type of prayer that a lot of people don't know about. All right. So I'm gonna put this clip to uh, my laptop. Listen close. character he he's a preacher and um he's a flawed preacher flawed and fantastic and that's another talk another podcast talk but and he's he's crying out to god and there's a type of prayer called lament l-a-m-e-n-t and there's a whole book in the bible called lamentation and lament prayers when we turn to god with our sorrows when we're tempted to run from him and you know there's times in our life that the pain is so real and we're just groaning inside and you ever felt a period in your life where you just feel like always windy i've been in times in my life where i always felt like i just got punched in the stomach tightness in my chest and i always felt like it could be if i hear a song or someone got me mad I felt like I was in the verge of tears. And in these times of your life, we're tempted to run from God. We're tempted to come back to church when we get our life together. We're we're tempted to take a break before we break down. And sometimes during that break, we never come back. And we break out. You You know, in New York, they say, yo, I'm leaving, I'm breaking out. And we break out before the breakthrough. And the Bible talks about, you know, a lot of the Psalms is a lament. And it talks about, well, we have, to, we have to turn to God. We can't run from God. We have to turn to God. In Psalms 31, um, the psalmist writes, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long would you hide your face from me? And the point is not to forget the omnipresence of God. The point is to be real with God. Um, and... To take this pain and use this pain as fuel to run towards God and not run from God. 
And one of the things we could do in these times is to write our prayers, write a prayer list, write a primer before prayer where we could bring our complaints and concerns to the Lord. And it's better we do that. It's better we cry out before God than acting angry before people. It's better that we humble ourselves before God and be confident before man than prideful before God and not praying and then like humiliated before man. So bring your complaint and then ask boldly for help, right? Like, uh, help me, Lord. I need your help, Lord. Um, it's not a time of denial. You know, there's a time to deny, right? Some people are like, you are right. And you're like, yeah, I'm okay. And because not everybody is for everything. Some people need to be in the outer court. Some people need to be in the inner court. Some people need the holies or holies. Just because you're cool don't mean you're close. Not everybody in your circles, in your corner, all that good stuff you already know. So you, you come before the God, God. You don't you don't run from God. You bring your complaint. You ask boldly for help. And then you choose to trust God. Psalms 13, verse 5 and 6, after the lamentation, it goes, But I have trusted in your unsteadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. And lamenting is a prayer language for God's people as we live in a flawed world. And one of the things I like to do after I have a time of lamentation prayer is that I also like do a Bible study after in in that state, right? Because you need to habitually be in a certain state for that state to turn into a stage. But that's a whole other talk. And you know that stuff already. Your pastor teaches you that. Um, So, and I write down what I already know. And we know more than we give ourselves credit for. And then I also write down scripture. So if I'm dealing with anger, right? I lost my temper and it it, kind of like made me lose some ground in my career or affected my marriage. And then I'll write scriptures on on holding your temper, keeping your peace. And I'll lament to God. I'll pray. I'll ask boldly for help. I will anticipate. I will embrace his grace for this juncture of my race. And then I'll write down what I know because sometimes you got to take what's in the back of your mind and bring it to the front. It's a battle for the signage or for the advertisement space in your prefrontal cortex. And so you got to bring that stuff to, to your front uh, of your brain and to your front of your heart. And yeah, so I just wanted to talk to you guys about that. Lamenting before God. Look it up. Google it. Um, what, who do I like? I like blueletterbible.com. I like relevant.com, the relevant magazine. I like um, Gospel Coalition. Maybe Charisma Magazine. See something of it on Psychology Today, Fuller University, if Fuller University has something, if Moody Bible Institute has something, you can't go wrong with Rick Warren, Charles Stanley, Jack Hayford, you know, look up these trusted sites and who, you know, uh, and try to, try to look up um, lamentation, lamenting prayer. All right, let's take a break. Peace.
Okay, so let's do like a sermon recap. Today I preached a message called uh, Secrets. And the people were scared when I was like, secret. I'm talking about secrets and God knows the secrets. My church is super, super cool. Um, so give you a long story short, my text was from Luke 8, 17. It says, for nothing is hidden that will not become evident, nor anything secret that would not be known and come to light. Deuteronomy 29, 29, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and our sons forever, that we may observe all the words of this Lord. Jeremiah 33, 3 says, call to me and I will answer to you and I will tell you great and mighty things which you do not know. And so the framework of my whole message I'll give it to you quick, fast. It's three big points, three big ideas. The first one is God knows our secrets. Uh, this insight is to shape our character. And the second one is God knows the good things we do in secret. And this insight is to shape our conduct. And lastly, God wants to reveal secrets to us and through us. I should have said through us. I don't think I said through us. But to us. And this insight should shape our inner conquest and outer confidence. And, you know, so for the first big idea, I talked about in 2 Kings chapter 17, verse 9, um, the Bible says secretly many people did things that were not pleasing to God. And so this tribe, everybody thought they were doing dirt on their own. Everybody thought they had like their little idolatry on the Kiki Lolo but God saw all of it, all of it, and it was more than a few, and this affected their uh, like covenant adventure, and this affected um, their hedge of protection, because you know we got to remember God's more concerned about our character than our, our holiness, than our happiness, our character. He's more concerned about our character than our comfort, and. Um, so I was talking to them about secret sins and the effect of secret sins. And I was saying that, um, you know, we have to give God our addictions and, and seek the help we need. And we have to work on our idols. And I gave them a whole bunch of scripture. I talked about Genesis 3, chapter 6, verse 6 through 13. When uh, Adam and Eve fell and God was looking for them. Um, and God sees us, uh, Cain and Abel, the blood of Abel spoke to God, David's secret sin with Bathsheba in 2 Samuel chapter 12 with the prophet Nathan kind of exposed them. So I was challenging the people. I was even, I was talking about, there was another one in Acts about analyzing Sapphira, Sapphira and how like their secret sin of their pride and um, bloating the actuality of their commitment I said it, you know, under inspiration, it flowed. It's different here, just talking to you. But, yeah, so I was just talking about, you know, crush your idols. Take audit of your idols. Take audit of your ambitions. Make sure that, um, you know, ego can stand for edging God out. And make sure that Jesus is not just number one, but he's in the center and sitting in the throne of your heart. And that you have a humble, a humble mindset and... That, that you just don't ask God for forgiveness, but you learn to surrender. So we talked about that in our inner life. 
And um, yeah, and then the second thing we talked about that we should rejoice that God sees the secret things we do that's good. And I talked about Matthew chapter six, where Jesus is like talking about um, praying in private, fasting in private, and giving in private. And throughout our life, we're you know we're good people, and many of us follow the Lord, and we pray for people, and many of us sacrifice a portion of our income, and we sacrifice some meals, and we speak well of people, and. We're generous people. And I just wanted to let them know that God sees that. And I, I reminded them, you reap what you sow, but not always where you sow. So if you're sowing generosity in the life of your cousins, your harvest of a generosity back or recognition back may not come from your cousin. It may come from a coworker. It may come from strangers. And that we can't be consumed of like, I did something for you. When are you going to do something for me? And we have to let the Lord uh, bless us. And I was talking about like having a, um, having a mindset of just, just going out and, and being on mission for God. You know, have you ever seen the Blues Brothers with Jim Belushi and Dan Aykroyd? They were on a mission for God. And we need every day to realize that we seek first God and his kingdom and that we're on a mission to be generous. We're on a mission to manifest and demonstrate the fruit of the spirit walk in the power of the spirit and uh, find opportunity to use the gift of the spirit, all that good stuff. You know that. So I'm saying that God knows that and he's going to reward us for that. And lastly, I talked about um, that God wants to give us secrets. And I, I talked about Psalms 25, 14, that the secret of the Lord is with them that fear him and he will show them his covenant. Um, I didn't get a chance to read John 14, 26. I should have. But it talks about with Jesus and the Holy Spirit uh, to remind you of everything he taught. 1 John 2.27 talks about the anointing teaches you all things. And so I was saying that we, as we get closer to God, the Holy Spirit will remind us things that we already know. That the Holy Spirit will not just really give us revelation, but give us illumination. And this is why we need to have... Um, I, I, I ritually make divine deposits in our souls and our minds when things are going good or just all the time. So when we need to pull from that wisdom, when we need to ask God for wisdom, because I talked about that too, that we have to ask, you know, have not because you seek not. And then we have to make these deposits. And when you ask God, you know, wisdom is to know how to use these appropriate truths at the appropriate time. You know, Ecclesiastes talks about there's a season, right? And there's a season to be quiet. And there's a season to advocate for yourself. And there's a season to be angry and be mad. And there's a season to forgive. And there's a season to pray. And there's a season to act. And, you know, it's important that we have a rhythm of life that we could bear our responsibilities as elegant and as efficient and as effective as possible so we can learn to hear the voice of God and give God our margins. And there's a whole scripture about that in Deuteronomy where it's like, don't like harvest the edge of the fields, give those edges for the people who need it. But all right, that's a, I digress. So yeah, it was a pretty good thing. It was on secret. So understand that God sees your secret sins. God knows the What's the word I'm looking for? To search history in your mind and your phone. He knows your idols. So it's better that we come before God because he's He's just to, and he is um, gracious to forgive, right? And we have a right to repent. 
And so, you know, not to hold on to the stain of sins, not to get easily tripped up, but ask God to forgive you and surrender certain aspects of your life so you continue to evolve, elevate, and expand and enjoy um, the preciousness and gift of having a relationship, a personal relationship with God. Then I talked about doing good things in secret because knowing God will reward you and seeking God for secrets and illumination of his scriptures. When you want to hear a voice, look for a verse. All right, I don't want to bore you no more. That was my sermon. Um, yeah, uh, I hope you were ministered to. Let's take a break and go to something else. Peace.